You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man-to-man. No excuses are offered, none except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Let's not waste any time, and let me bring in the rest of the team that's going to take this ride with us this week, as they do each and every week here on the show. He is the master of the soundboard, the driver shooting extraordinaire, Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well. Yourself? Man, I'm good. I had, you know, some strep throat last week, and I still got, you know, a little just scratchy throat. I feel good, just... A little scratchiness in the back of the throat. You so. beat up that strep throat pretty quick, though. That's impressive. Yeah, it's uh, you know, thank you for that. But uh, you know, we uh, we march on. A man who doesn't get sick because he's got the immune system of an alligator. I think. <laughs> I hope that's a compliment. Yeah, I don't know. It's like a, but you I would think a dinosaur, so I'm assuming it's like they got the immune, immune system of a cockroach. Doesn't yeah. sound I good, have but it probably it. is very good. It's true. I have thrown it into the Google machine to verify. <laughs> Alligators do have the strongest immune system in the animal kingdom. Wow. Oh, and they live kingdom. in the swamp, right? Okay, so you figure, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, 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 yeah. valid, valid. Okay, I got you. Lifetime Longhorn, Take 2002 UT All America, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. And when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program. Number one in your hearts. And yes, folks, he does have a Topps trading card that has his name on it, but it is not his likeness on the card. And he is featured in a Madden video game where his face is not included with his body. (laughs) Mr. Rod Babers. <laughs> it is yeah, a, it is a black silhouette yeah. that just says Rod Babers. Yeah, and I do have a trading card. Me and Bracey Walker on that trading card, I think. So, it what is. does it depict you as? I think it's Brock. I don't know. I think it's like Brock Marion or something. I don't know. I, like, I seriously, I don't know how old Brock Marion was, but it looks like Brock. Was <laughs> so they just found a different guy with your yes, number? It's a, it's a really light skinned brother from the plane. They couldn't have the, screwed the, up like Detroit that with Lions. the Giants, though, because Jason Seahorn wouldn't have fit. Exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> for Giants, one was easy to get right. But yeah, for that one, I don't know. They missed that. It was the wrong number, too. I was 26 when I was with the Detroit Lions, they had 31. Which made me think, also, it's Brock Marin, but I could be wrong about that. That's How long did Brock Marin I, uh, We haven't followed into this. I haven't even <laughs> thought about it till I said the dude's name. But I know when you and I stumbled into the fact that there had not been, basically, you replaced the last white cornerback in the true. NFL whenever Seahorn left the Giants. Have you tracked this in the last three or four years? Has there been an appearance? No, there's no so starting you, white cornerback. You still, still to took this day. the last yeah. job and of a white it's, corner. It's going to be hard, first of all, because there are very few white cornerbacks. But then to be able to start yes. as a white cornerback, you have to be exceptional, not 
saying it's against white cornerbacks. So yeah, man, honestly, it it's may crazy. Never ha- it may never happen again. You Brian could be the, I may be linked the, to Brock Marion was with the Detroit Lions in 2004. By the way, Rod. That so it was the, it was Brock Marion. There you go. There you I, go. I remember. I think I remember Brock Marion being in that secondary. Okay, yeah. They didn't follow yeah. the trade I know, that so offseason. Rod B. I know. I'm like that's an insult to Brock Marion. Is what it is. You and Brock. <laughs> the Brock thing that gets me is you and Brock Marion look nothing alike. Look nothing alike. Some some guy there who can't tell black people apart was like, ah, that's that's uh, that's neighbors. One of those trading card things, like they would all make these deals with these clubs, and you'd have yeah. your picture day at the beginning of the year, and then you'd Straight. never re- be able to be back around it. So here's it makes a, sense. They just used a token photo from like six months prior. Yeah, token. A, I see what you did there. Here's an interesting, <laughs> an interesting thing, though. So, Rod, you talk about the trading card issue. You know, your first appearance in the Madden game, your picture's not there. Were you late on getting some a piece of paperwork back to the Players Association or something? Uh, I don't think so. I just think some stuff gets like lost in you know, just kind of just lost. Period. I mean, I don't know what it was. I was never asked about it. They never brought it up to me. I got my check, so that's all that matters. Yeah, you get your check <laughs> from the Players Association. Yeah, from like your dues and then like all the uh, whatever the revenue from like certain different pots and yeah. So I mean, I, I don't know what that was. Okay, about. well as long as you got paid, then. I got paid. Okay. I got paid. Well, man. that's that's all Straight that matters. Cash, homie. Um, we're uh, we're not going to have a ton of coronavirus conversation on this podcast. Biggest story in sports. It is, but here's where we need to bring it up that it's got some relevance to this show. As we sit here right now, Texas has not made the decision like Texas A and M and another of a number of other institutions have that once people come back from spring break, they will go to online only classes. Let's assume hypothetically that Texas does make the decision, Rod, and that they do go to online-only classes. It most likely will. Do you see that in any way, shape, or form? It, it pro- maybe not through the end of the semester. Maybe for two weeks. No, they just do it whatever. until they, yeah, like until they get like a until we there, know there, there are developments. Yeah, I was saying, until there are developments and progress in the story. But right now, we that just, time too much months away. Yeah. So it could, yeah, it would. And, definitely. A, and a lot of these, uh, you know, for for large gatherings, it seems to have like a two week time frame on it. I don't know why everybody's deciding two weeks, but whatever. At any rate, do you see this rod in any way, shape, or form? Because everybody's going to ask that it could affect Texas spring practice? I'm assuming it will in some way. I mean, it has to. It's affecting everything. I mean, it, right. m- you know, moving Coachella, canceling South by Southwest, it's affecting every mm-hmm. aspect of life uh, for all of us, including uh, our 401K and stock market, everything. So I assume that, yeah, in some way it will. We don't know if Texas goes to online classes because I know that the state of Texas – you know, they have the authority over the University of Texas, but I also know there are grants, right? And they, there mm-hmm. are exceptions. You know, they, I think they're still having the Austin Rodeo for now. Um, and so they got Houston kinda, Rodeo was just canceled. Houston just, Rodeo was just canceled. Uh, just saw that coming you know, down. On there Twitter. may be an exception there. Uh, you know, so I know that, listen, they're still having campaign rallies. <laughs> nobody's talking about canceling those. Nobody's, you know, nobody's talking about stopping the Vegas casinos right mm-hmm. now because Vegas ain't going to let you do that. They ain't gonna let you stop their casinos. Right now, everybody's trying to walk the line between um, economic despair because you don't want people to not be able to pay their mm-hmm. rent, pay their mortgage, and pay the bills, uh, but also human safety and public health and safety. So that's, and it's a fine line to walk. Got to do that in capitalism all the time. So I'm assuming the safety of the students in, and, of course, the student-athletes will be their top priority. So when, I think when, inevitably, they decide to go online classes only, like Stanford and UCLA and mm-hmm. Harvard and a bunch of other institutions, educational institutions, then they'll decide, okay, what 
um, what are you going to do, like the, the athletic department, all right, what measures are you going to take to make sure that these guys are really safe if they're going to practice and if they're going to basically have, you know, I don't know, 100, 200-something people who are all essential personnel to the staff that are going to be there for spring practice and basically nobody else, even the media probably, who've been banned from most locker rooms. Sports, yeah. right? Even Big 12 media has been banned from the Big 12 uh, basketball tournament. The media's been banned there in NBA and Major League Soccer and NHL. So I'm assuming media won't be a part of that essential personnel. And they'll just take measures to make sure the guys are safe. That's all they can do. I think the guys are going to practice. I do. Listen, there's certain things that aren't stopping, man. Sports is a huge driver of one of the largest economic engines in this country. It is a sports industrial complex. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of money out there in sports, and when the sport stops, there's a, you know, there's a lot of people out of jobs. There's a lot of money that is missed out. That's why there are a lot of events that have been halted, but ain't no sport. A lot of sports events are still going. Right, yeah. the, the NCAA tournament because that's that's what eighty nine percent of NCAA's revenue. They're like, yeah, uh, let's yeah. keep this party going. I mean, there are a lot of look XFL. They're they're keeping it going. Major League Baseball starting up in two weeks. They ain't talked about you know they ain't talked about having games without any fans in the stand. They should, but they haven't really discussed it seriously. The NBA. They've banned the damn media, but they ain't refunded no tickets to fans. Yeah. It's easier to ban the media than it is to actually refund that money to fans. So I think ultimately football in Texas still big driving force. I believe they will practice. Even if it's a situation where I could see a situation maybe because, everybody, like I said, everybody seems to be working on this two-week timeline. Like I've heard two weeks, yeah, but two weeks, They're two only weeks. just putting an indefinite right. time because we don't know. It isn't as if right. there's a drop-off but after you that. Could, you could Good s- point. It's you could, two-week minimum is yeah. what it is. Right, but you could say, okay, maybe you even if you postpone spring practice for two weeks because I would assume Rod at the university says no students are allowed on campus, everybody's got to go home. It's out of Tom Herman's hands at that point. It could be, but Tom Herman, you know, who who has a direct line to the president and yep. then also to the governor, I'm assuming could go, hey, we want to practice. And they'll go, okay, let's uh, let's sit down and discuss how you can practice and also and if they make sure that. They'll amend it to be fair amongst yeah. all and schools. And if they don't, they'll, they'll postpone it. You think Tom Herman's going to give up his spring practices? <laughs> no. I'm just saying it's not, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like people are making these decisions. That's why the NBA is not banning the fans right. from the games. They're not playing games. Now they may, but right now they're still deciding, man, this money right now, we don't need to stop the cash flow. Could it be and, a situation where maybe you even take the players and say, look, we'll get. A hotel somewhere by campus and just quarantine everybody in that hotel. Think about how displaced the Texas football program already is. They're already over there building. The all, everybody's zone, out yeah. of their offices. All right, they're sharing, they're sharing well, space the with other personnel and with other the... different faculty members there. So they're already already displaced and spread really thin in terms of resources and, and adaptability. And now you're going to further throw them out. And I understand why it it, it, it matters. But I think Tom Herman is going to push back and go, man, I got a new staff. <laughs> We're already spread really thin and displaced all over the damn place. It is chaos. And, you know, regiments help football players, structure helps football players. And right now we ain't got no structure. It is chaos. And I think he may, he may push back and go, is there any way we can still practice? Do I need to put everybody in the bubble all the time and then don't even let – you know what I mean? We, we can do but, that. I think he – and he may not get his request, but I do think he'll try to practice because I have not heard of all these stories – any talk around the country of, hey, spring practice halted. 
Well, it's because nobody, the nobody NCAA, said anything. Well, but, sports is going to be the last one to fold because sports knows right now with the Masters coming up and the NCAA tournament that this is their this is a big cash window for them. And the NFL is kind of sit back and watch and going, man, NFL drafts. Ooh, we we've been inviting half a million people to roam the streets to come watch the NFL draft. Let's see what the NCAA tournament does. There so everybody's kind of watching and waiting for someone to step up and be. I don't say responsible, but at least be the um, you know kind of the trailblazer here and go. You know what? No, no, no. What matters to us? Our top priority is the public health and the public safety, and that's what we're siding with. To hell with the money. And you know, I mean, that's a, that's a bold stance to take. Well, Nobody's taking it yet. We also got to remember this is the same across like the whole country. We have hundreds of universities. So mm-hmm. the way the NCA and you brought it up right there. The NCAA tournament, sports-wise, will dictate everything that happens with football and spring football and everything. But the whole thing is, is the reason that these things are getting closed is because of the spreading, because of the travel or, like, the direct mm-hmm. contact to the players. So they're just cutting off that. Like, that's what South by Southwest is, also, and, honestly, yeah. is more like South by Southwest has ever been because it's only local. It's spawning mm-hmm. off of the local places, local businesses now, which is what it spawned from. The whole issue was bringing people from all over the world to an area that isn't ready to be there. Yep. You don't have a, a vaccine, so then you're going to be able to spread it. It's irresponsible exactly. to cause those different areas to interact with one another. Something like Texas football, those Texas kids, we don't, we aren't even worried much about coronavirus here in Austin because it hasn't spread. The whole idea is it's trying to prevent it to spread. Exactly. So that's why when we're talking about the NBA, they, yeah, the fans, well, the main thing is media is the ones that can talk to the players and what would affect the NBA is like, well, if the players get sick, or then you're in trouble. Well, right now we aren't at that point when you're talking about college football. College football is so far down the road, and luckily the biggest thing the NCAA does is the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. and they have a huge issue on their hands to figure out. And like you said, all the public events there forward, like something like the NFL draft, well, you'll have a precedent set. But right now, until then, you don't know. But the main thing with the you know college football or something like Texas is like all these universities are going to be treated equally via the NCAA if it comes down to it because you can't be letting some areas of the country unaffected do it while the other areas can't go and practice so there may just have to be an odd thing like they have the addendum that everybody can have a three-week span at any point before next season or something along those lines no i just think i think nobody has the uh the scones to do it just yet Sorry, somebody I, will though i was i was, re- I was reading some this literally just came down as we sit here recording the show Uh-oh. uh kent state university source tells football scoop kent state will not have spring practices or a spring game we expect them to make a full announcement of this later today there you go yeah I know that's what I'm saying. You know, what, let me know when Bama and Clemson do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, right. I'm not throwing out that. The Ivy League canceled their basketball conference tournament, and I was like, okay, let me know when the Big 12 decides, you know, they want they want to cancel it. or play. And I know the recent, I think the MAC said they're going to play in front of uh, no, no spectators. There's, uh, there's another conference also that said they were playing in front of no spectators. So, yeah, I mean, I, I understand that, but that's not – that doesn't take to me right. the scones Anything. that it would take. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That it would take somebody of a power five magnitude to go, man, we're canceling spring practice. You know, why does Washington do it? 
University of Washington, they, have they announced they're canceling spring practice? I haven't I mean, seen anything yet. They, how is that they announced? They're probably the well, hot spot right now. Honestly, this is not pointless. heard anything about it. Well, because you know it's I mean? no big deal. Honestly, like you said, they're, they're football almost, doesn't they're matter. Hold on, hold on, hold on. They're almost quarantined themselves. So that's why they're like, you know what? No, 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 no. We, as Matt said, we're not going to let people have access to our players and student athletes. And that way we'll quarantine them. That's why we're not going to allow the media to come in here. And that's why we're going to tell our players don't fist bump and no high fives to fans. You basically be self-quarantined. Let's just try to stay that way, which inevitably that's going to be tough to do because you still have to live a life. Right. Right. You still you don't get to you yeah. to, you're not a football player. So, well, and honestly, life. football's nothing in context to this conversation. Like if we're talking about no, the know, corona, so like an idea, it's just so far down the road that we'll know a lot more about it in a month. But it's impossible to talk about right. it intelligently out, right now. I just wanted to throw that out hypothetically. Like no, you're if, right. if, if you know we've already we've already waited a long time for spring practice to start, and there's a chance. We could be seeing you know, next week. We're supposed to sit here and do a spring practice preview because that would be a week out. We might be talking about. Well, we got to wait another month. But could, who, who postponement knows? could easily happen yeah. everywhere. I totally agree. With so, you. and then brought up the Ivy League canceling theirs to all Texas fans actually does help the bubble because one less bubble bursting team is eligible. Every time you see one of these conference tournaments go down, it means that the team favored to go in is going to be getting the automatic bid. So then you won't have a team like say a bubble team knocked out. But yeah. as you said, Rod, why Texas fans can probably feel good about by hook or by crook, Tom Herman getting spring practice off is Bob Bowlesby coming out and saying, look, I mean, they say it's safe to travel. Nobody's told me it's not safe to travel. I'll be at the Big 12 tournament. You should be too. Right? He's like, I'll be there. So. The ACC <laughs> hasn't said nothing about canceling or the Big East or the Big Ten. And somebody will, I do think, it just get, I hope, hopefully, honestly, hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully we're just all being overreactive and we're blown out of proportion because better to overreact than to underreact. You underreact and this thing blows up and then mm-hmm. the, hit, the, the fit hits the shan and it's too damn late. Right. So I, I, like, I like this reaction. I'm just waiting on sports and I'm waiting on Vegas. And I'm waiting, you know what I mean? I'm waiting on the presidential rallies to be canceled because those are kind of the driving forces right now. And something like that happens yeah. when you see the NCAA tournament or the NCAA decide, all right, we're going to play without spectators, mm-hmm. which they could. The TV money makes, I think, $850 yeah. million of their billion dollars. It makes get, more like, than the annual. tickets do. Yeah, it's not like it that's used to That's where that money comes from. That's why from. the NBA you know, will still do the same. It'll be interesting to see if Tech Shram, you know, Tech Shram always had the, the late, great Tech Shram. Always said that sooner or later he was talking about football, but he said football will be played in, in, on a, in a studio with no fans, no mm. spectators, and it'll just be a studio stage. That's what football will be in the future, and we may get a taste of that. You may get a little taste of that. It's just football on a stage, and they got to pump in sound and crowd noise like a laugh track. <laughs> maybe maybe the Texas spring game is in the bubble with one camera. Exactly. You know? one, yeah, exactly. Well, no, what, it, that's what I'm saying. What you, you just get explained is what Del Gribble says the Super Bowl is every year. It's already a pre-recorded event. <laughs> yeah, but at least you got people in the stands. It just would be creepy. But nobody wants to be the mayor from Jaws, so do yep. the right thing. You're right. You don't want right. to choose profits over mm-hmm. people. Well, Rod, let's assume everything is status quo with Texas and getting ready for spring practice. And we are under two weeks away from the start of spring ball. And one move was made this weekend. You know, last year, we've talked about this a lot. We made a really big deal out of the analyst hires. Larry Fedora coming in, and Andre Coleman, and even Paul Williams being able to help out Todd Orlando. One, it was confirmed by Texas that they have hired J.W. Walsh, the former Oklahoma State quarterback, as an analyst. He was previously as a quarterback at Denton Guy, and there's a there's an alternate universe somewhere, Rod, 
where Will Muschamp is the head coach of Texas and J.W. Walsh is the quarterback. I know. <laughs> it, uh, we, might, we, might go down, we might go down that walk here in a minute. Amen. We might not. But there's an alternate universe somewhere where that happened. Yeah. But at any rate, the former Denton Geyer quarterback goes on to Oklahoma State where he plays for Mike Yersich, was a grad assistant at TCU, ends up going being the running backs coach at Abilene Christian. Now he's going to be an analyst at Texas. Can you put too much into this hire? Probably not. But no. I like it from the standpoint of as many people that Mike Yersich has around him that can – help funnel information where it needs to go mm-hmm. and can help break down this offense and what it's supposed to look like and in terms of self-scouting and advanced scouting and all that stuff. If J- if Mike Yersich believes J.W. Walsh is somebody that can help him further this offense in some way, shape, or form, then kudos. I think what's – and I agree with you. I think what's important um, with this hire – and I hate, I hate to sound like Tom Harmon. You know, alignment is important, and th- and I'll tell you why. Because we don't know how the Mike Yurcich offense is going to look because Mike Yurcich doesn't have an offense. That's just simple. I'm going to tell you that right now. The, the, the best Mike Yurcich offenses we've seen are his, his, his interpretation of Mike Gundy's offense and his interpretation basically of the Ryan Day offense that he was running. And he's going to come here, and that's what he, he does really well. He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a guy that does cover versions of, of mm. good songs, and sometimes his, his cover version is better than the original. It's like All Journey. Right? Yeah, yeah, like exactly. the guy right? Steve Perry. He's, you know, it's like uh, hopefully his cover version will be uh, Whitney Houston's uh, "I'll Always Love You." You know what <laughs> I mean? Dolly Parton did it, but Whitney Houston did it better. Yeah. That's what you're looking for because I, I've tried to look for, and this might be you know the key. I heard you talking about uh, Greg Davis the other day on "Light the Tower," and I, I think there's a lot of Greg Davis similarities in Mike Yurcich's philosophy, and he said it over and over again. And I gotta make, I'll get the quotes here in a second. Basically, that I, I'm not married to a personnel set or personal package. I'm not married to that. Whatever we got to do that week, game plan wise, whoever we got to put on the field to be successful and effective, I'm paraphrasing, I'll find the quote, that's what we're going to do. And I like that because I think that that's how Greg Davis looked at the world. Mm-hmm. Greg was like, well, pretty much whatever I got to do to maximize the talent I have, that's the, that's what offense will be, which is why his offense changed when it was Chris Sims as the quarterback, more pro style, changed when it was Cole McCoy as a West Coast spread hybrid, changed with Vince Young, and it was a zone read, read option offense. It, it looked different depending on who was running the show. And I think Yursich, that's going to be his strength. And if you can find somebody like J.W. Walsh who doesn't necessarily know the Yursich offense, because like I said, I don't know if anybody knows a Yursich offense. But what he does, he thinks like Yursich. He knows how Yursich thinks. He knows the concepts that Yursich likes to run. He knows, you know, the way he wants to exploit a defense. And a guy that can speak the language of a Yursich can therefore translate it mm-hmm. to a guy like Sam Ellinger because he's also a quarterback and also was a quarterback in that Yursich offense. And anything that's lost in translation, he may be at a Yep. You know, you know, uh, combine those two, or at least be able to mend that fence. And that's a perfect fit, and yeah. especially being a coach's kid type guy with that Walsh is, and it's just that high. He's a coach, yeah, yeah. Well, coach and it fits; it makes total sense. And then the familiarity with the yeah. former coach, and then when you're talking about that type of OC that now Texas is dealing with, these are the type of people that you would like to have around your quarterback. Because Sam also has had to deal with a lot of changing offenses. Amen. It's sort of bizarre Amen. to think about how much. It, how different everything's been every year with Sam and how it will still be different again. Uh, I've got here's the quote, the quote. Oh, oh, okay. I got it. Here it is. Um, he says, who are our best 11? Our best 11 may not be our best 11 players. They're the 11 that play together the best. 
I don't care if it's 11 personnel, 12 personnel, or 22 personnel, whatever it takes to move the football, and that may differ from week to week depending on who you're playing from a scheme standpoint. Mm. So, again, it comes back to players. Formations, meaning how to, how to get your guys lined up and get an advantage and then plays. This is, it, 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 he said his offensive philosophy is formed up in three words, pretty simple. Players, formations, and plays. And I think that is going to be the key to evolving the pro spread offense. Because one thing, Tom Herman, we all agreed, he was way too damn rigid in 11 personnel and not not enough versatile enough route tree running the same mm-hmm. damn routes over and over again, same concepts over and over again. And not that they were bad concepts, but damn, they looked the same. I knew when they were coming. You were predictable in your route concepts. You were predictable in the plays that you were running. And what yours is going to come in, he's going to take all those basic plays that Tom Herman loves in the pro spread and go, okay, watch me add a little funk, little pre-snap motion to this. Watch me put it in a 21 personnel package instead of your 11 personnel package. And then I'm going oh, to flip the field with it. He's going to do all these, put a bunch formation on the side of it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie an RPO on it. He's going to do all these really funky things to it and then turn that pro spread offense into a better version. It'll be a better cover version of the same thing. Well, and he, when he talks about the fit, that's just so key right there and understanding that, mm-hmm. it, okay, well, it isn't put your 11 best players out there. It's putting the 11 that fit best together. And that's a huge distinction. I that's totally agree. Totally misunderstood and more understood now than ever. But like, if you look at the way the NBA was used, like the, at one point, bench players were viewed as a secondary. They were like kickers. Like, yeah. no, I'm a starter. It's a great And point. I'm a starter. And I'm fitting there. And I mean, we even saw it stick with a guy like Melo until like he had to have a one year hiatus. Or like, I mean, even players, it's a totally different thing. But I still remember hearing Vince Young say at one point that he wouldn't be willing to do something and take a secondary role. Yeah. Because he viewed himself a certain way. It's like there's a lot more of an understanding, I think, with this generation of players that that label that. doesn't matter. Yeah. And they mean just sort of the way we're talking in about malleability with positions. Totally agree. Exactly. Yeah. And when you talk about like looking at the best eleven out there, it's like a player may understand that he's maybe not starting or listed as a starter, but he's as key to that defense's success in his niched role mm-hmm. than he ever did. And then him being in that role can open up the other parts of the roster to have players be in the com- most comfortable or best fits. And it's the same idea back in the day whenever you started to see teams start to stagger. It took a guy like Ginobili, who could have been an all-star, mm-hmm. but to run a second unit. So then there's never any yeah. type of drop-off. And you can always, even when dealing, that's like the situation in the NFL when you're dealing with an injury or in football with the injury. Well, if you can be amorphous and just change, be the chameleon to that situation, it's so big to have those type of players and then to have the mindset amongst the players that no we're all on the same page here it may be viewed by people that don't know what they're talking about as uh oh yeah you aren't a starter what are you going to do to get there it's like no my role though may be as key as one yep when you talk about this offense rod and this comes from uh, our eyes of texas feature and horns 24 7 chip brown wrote this last week uh when you talk about this offense and an evolving rod and mike years is putting his spin on it this comes from our Eyes of Texas feature at Horns 24-7. Chip Brown wrote this last week, piggybacking kind of it's kind of a stream of conscious thing, piggybacking off of the, the Sam Ellinger, we'll call it a rib ailment, yes. if you will. The, With Q, the cartilage. QB1s what was working it, through. Rib? What was it? 
was it rib cartilage? Rib cartilage. Yeah. It is one of those deals where I don't even know exactly what he's that expected is. to be full go by the time spring practice yeah, yeah. starts. Again, I do because I broke mine. Oh, rib cartilage. Remember when I broke my ribs? Like there's the different to where in between your ribs there aren't bones, but it's almost as strong as yeah. a bone. So it's, it feels like bones that all connected when you feel your rib cage. The thing between the ribs that's about as strong as a bone is the rib cartilage. You can actually crack that, and it's not as if you have a cracked rib, but you've cracked the cartilage I between the mm-hmm. ribs. Interesting. Yeah, because you got cartilage in your knee and stuff like mm-hmm. that too, right? Yeah. So and Q, all your joints. But it, it, it's not that big a deal. He's expected to be ready to go by the time spring ball starts again, assuming spring practice starts on the twenty fourth. Don't jinx it. Plan. Don't jinx it, Jeff. Yeah, I already jinxed Brock Cunningham because on the on the show Oof. as you know earlier today, mm. as we sit here and record this on Wednesday, Craig Way had to join us on the phone because you know it's Craig and it's our show, but Craig's traveling all the time and mm-hmm. he calls him from Kansas City. He's getting ready to go to shoot around, and I make the comment, "Well, Craig." I know nothing happens in these shoot-arounds. Brock Cunningham rolls an ankle and has to be helped off the floor. <laughs> so I'm already I'm on a roll today already. Seriously. But, you know, anytime something happens to QB1, the antenna goes up. But yeah. he's expected to be fine. But th- this goes into the offense, Rod. And I'll, I'll just read from what Chip wrote last week. The good news is I continue to hear positive things about how players are reacting to Mike Yersich in his offense, which one source called, quote, a fairly drastic overhaul to last year. Hmm. There are more route concepts than last year, one source said. And while it seems complex and hopefully appears that way to defenses, it's actually easy to digest as a player. Lots of folks have asked me if there's a chance Jake Smith and Jordan Whittington, who will both work in the slot, could be on the field together. The answer is yes, according to my sources. So take that nugget, take those last two nuggets. We talked a lot about the need to be multiple on offense, the need to have diversity within your personnel groupings. And, Rod, you talked about Tom Herman being rigid last year. Do you remember... It was either after the Rice game or after the Oklahoma State game. One of those games in September. I don't remember which one. But a Monday press conference, I believe it was Brian Davis from Statesman who asked Tom Herman, do you have a plan in place to look at getting Jake Smith and Devin Duvernay on the field together? And do you remember Tom Herman's response? I have no idea. Well, why would we? That's terrible. (laughs) I don't even remember that. Um, uh, yeah. Was that before the season started? No, that was in season. That was after either the Rice game or the Oklahoma State game. game. I don't it was all based uh, on because the he was still, Duvernay and Smith was well, backing no, up. Well, no, that's because he was still arrogant. I, I bet it was before the Oklahoma game. and he was still, it was, I know it was before the Oklahoma then game. Then he's still in his arrogant phase. You know what I mean? Remember that, that game plan going into the Oklahoma game? What was the big complaint? That it was an arrogant game plan. And, and it was an arrogant that game plan. Yeah. But it was it, just also him, I think, under being like, he backs him up. That's why they aren't. He just meant no, that. But it's simply. arrogance. Like, oh, you mean? What do you mean? It's my offense works. Just just find the way it is. I don't need to evolve it. I don't need to tweak it. What are you talking about? Well, he's what, saying what, adding it, to Jake Smith to play a different position than he's playing. They, I, I'm just explaining his answer is because he had uh, only played Jake Smith. But that shows his lack of agreed, imagination. Agreed. Fully. He's in a freaking box, dude. Agreed, dude. Then We've talked about this for you're six a months. Square. What are you talking about? Why, you mean, why do that? What are you talking about? If Jake Smith only knows H, you know Devin Duvernay knows Z. Your answer. I'm sorry. I'm but he didn't yelling. want to move him from sorry the H because everything runs but, through the H. But, but to your point, that just shows his lack of creativity, which is why the offense became so predictable down the stretch, which is why ultimately you put a ceiling on one of the best quarterbacks in the history of Texas football because your offense was predictable and honestly mm-hmm. it became stagnant. Like Anytime it, somebody acts like they know everything. Unimaginative. <laughs> 
Yeah, you, you, exactly. Every you're wrong because everybody knows that there's forever so, knowledge to be open. You have to have your mind open to new ideas at all times. And if you think you have stumbled into the you, one uniform formation that is the best in football history, you're probably wrong. That's crazy. That's a good quote. Wow. Well, <laughs> while we get on Tom Herman for last year, and there's a lot to get on Tom Herman from last year. At the same time, guys. You got to give him credit for taking this offense as an offensive guy with an with an offensive scheme that he's developed and adapted and evolved at other places to take it and say, "Look, as the head coach of this football program, it is better for me to hand this over to somebody else." He's still going to be involved yeah. because what as a head coach, whatever side of the ball you cut your teeth on, whatever side of the ball you made your living on before becoming a head coach. You're going to stay as well. Rod, you played it. Mac Brown was an offensive coordinator, and I don't think we'd call Mac Brown a, a, Mac Brown a, a revolutionary offensive coordinator. Mac, Mac was involved in the offense. Mm. I don't know about that. <laughs> he was. I don't know about that. I think Mac might have said that, but Mac wasn't really involved in that offense. He I'm was just saying the guys rooms. that I know. Mac, like, dude, I've never seen Mac drop a play. He, uh, that's Mac, true. Mac never asked him. He's never drawn up a play. And I know many Ever. people that were in How those rooms. How many guys do you know who are them. coaches who never, in four years, I never saw him draw a play up? So I never saw him grab a grab a marker and get on a dry race board and go, guys, guys, guys. I never heard him. Tw- I never heard him coach on the field. I never heard him go. Oh, correct that back pedal. Get low. No. no, it's all just CEO. Let's go. So I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that he's not a great coach. He is. But he knew his role. Mike Brown wasn't he knows his strengths. Right. It's not understanding your yeah, strengths. Him, him it's not acting like yeah. a, he delegated that to yeah. his football nerd, right. Greg Davis. Yeah. Or right. Chizik or Mustard. Here's, yeah. here's what I'm saying, though, from that standpoint, right? Because Mike knows Brown, offense. He's I don't know if he was involved. A good but no. Here's what I'm saying. He got though. in the business through offense. Can I get yeah. in a point here? Yeah, man. <laughs> We're just disagreeing with you. No. <laughs> I'm trying to talk. You said you said Mike was involved in offense and we disagreed. That's all. Okay. What I'm saying is if he's going to be in the hallway, in Moncrief, and he's going to pop in a meeting room. He's popping in that offensive room. He ain't going in there and talking defense with Bull Reese or Greg Robinson or Will Muschamp. I agree with that. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, that we can agree on. But yes. you didn't say that, by the way. I never called him Mac Brown. I never. No, I don't no, no, think. I'm just saying. I'm saying you didn't say that. You got mad enough. But you said he's involved in the offense, and that's what we like. No, he's not involved in the offense. Going and peeking your head in is not involved in the offense. He that's just. Yes, that's not involved. I know for a fact right. he sat in the meeting rooms, but he was just yeah. sitting there listening to Greg <laughs> in his right hand yeah. talk. That's all we were saying. Okay. We didn't mean disrespect. And I've almost forgot about the Tom Herman point I was making. Tom Herman's <laughs> gonna be Tom Herman's going to continue to be involved in the offense. Yeah. Now, will he will he do any more than what Mac Brown did and pop his head in the meeting room and kind of like look around? Everything going okay? Yes, he will. You guys good in here? He'll do more than that. He's a play call. He called plays, and he also was the offensive coordinator here. He made it a he made a team effort at one point, but he was still calling the plays. Mac never called plays here. Mac was never Mac was never as involved. In I agree. Offense. I agree with you on that. Here's uh, yeah. Here's my thing though. As a head coach, as Tom Herman was. To what extent is Tom Herman involved, Rod? In terms of when we get to game day, is is it kind of does does Tom Herman's involvement in the offense? Because we know he's not going to be calling the plays on a play by play basis. That's going to be Mike Yersich. Because Tom Herman has said, he said from the minute he got this job, doesn't yep. like calling plays from the sideline, wants to do it from the booth, and as a head coach, unless you're John Makovic or Joe Paterno and you got trampled on the sideline and for some reason you got a coach in the press box that week, you're not as a head coach, you're not in the booth. Yeah. So that's going to be Mike Yurcich's job. I think this is more of Tom Herman being situationally, hey, on this third down, 
four-minute offense where you've got to get a first down to ice the game, I think at that point that's where he gets involved in the offense and says, you know what, throughout the week, based on the game plan, and I'm not saying he's going to talk through this, but in his head he's like, you know what, based on how this game is going, you go back to everything you planned on during the week, based on what's in this week. I think third and four, I think this is the play. I think this is the play we run. Well, any boss can tell you that, and you got to go with what the boss says. Right. Yeah, I mean, that, that's just the relationship. I, I do think you got to be, if you're Tom Herman, you don't have that relationship you had with Major. Um, and I don't even know if you had the same relationship with Tim Beck. If, you know, you got to be careful by not emasculating Yurcich in that time, right? Because if you've been building up to that third down, if you already got in your mind what you want to call on third down. You've been setting a team up, essentially. That's what you do. When you're a coordinator, right, you're basically setting them up for the counter punch mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff and what you want to run in the fourth quarter. So just to, you know, just to make sure that tension doesn't become a problem, I'd, I'd walk, you know, I'd walk, I'd walk carefully uh, in that in that regard if I was Tom Herman. At least let him know yeah. ahead of time. You know what I mean? Don't don't surprise him in the game and go, hey, man, third down, I need this play. Yeah. Tell him ahead of time, say, hey, man. You see, you know, in crucial downs, I'd, I'd really love to have veto power. You cool with me having veto power? Like, yeah, yeah, of course, you're the coach. And then so you at least get the heads up. Well, or, and then hopefully they're on the same page if you're seeing the same type of things, like if they really are be aligned. You know what I'm saying? That, like, normally these situations, if they come up amongst coaches, either, like, one understands, yes, like, you have a dictatorial power like a Belichick, or if not, you've allocated your duties to this OC, but you're always open to other minds and other thoughts to help you. But, like you said, if it's dealing with play calling, something that you've been actually, there's been a thought out the process. You're setting up things for other quarters or off of different yeah. plays and things along those lines that may not be immediately known to the head coach that isn't deep into the weeds the way you are in a play-by-play basis. So that's, that's where yeah. those two, you would think they would be married together because they're the both offensive minds that are hiring each other and working against the same team. If they see something different, that's where those coaches normally get into the conflicts or disagreements because one sees one way, one sees the other. Mm-hmm. And if that's where you start to disagree on, then you're like, all right, we have more of a philosophical issue here because we aren't seeing the same thing even though we should be considering who we're facing. What, what you said, that. Rod, is kind of the point I was I, I was, I was, coming to make in all of this is if you're Tom Herman, you've got to strike a balance between you're still involved this is still technically your offense. You've handed it over to this person. How do you have input as the boss, which it is your right to have that input, mm-hmm. without overstepping your bounds? Because then at that point it becomes a situation where, and I don't know, this is where the, the relationship between Mike Yersich and Tom Herman is really important. Exactly. Because does Tom Herman make a decision where maybe Mike Yersich is cool with it? Maybe he is cool with Tom Herman saying, hey, based on what we've got, I like this play right here. Yeah. In this third down situation. And maybe Mike Yersh is cool with it. Maybe Mike Yersh is like, if you're suggesting this on third down, what the hell did you hire me for in the first place? Could be that too. That, exactly. That's the kind of stuff Tom Herman's got to figure out. And as he steps away from the play calling duties, th- those are the kind of stuff. If you're going to be the CEO of the program, which as we talked about, like Mac was really good in that role for it a really awesome. long time. And there's a lot of coaches. In that role. There's a lot of coaches who are really good in that role. But part of that is really understanding people and having those relationships to where you know look, maybe with this coach I can suggest things. and Or maybe with this coach I can say, this is what I want to run right here. But that's yeah. that's part of this evolution Tom Herman's going through as a head coach where we talk about we talked a lot this offseason about the relationship between Sam Ellinger and Mike Yersich and how important that is. But the Tom Herman-Mike Yersich dynamic mm-hmm. is of equal importance when it gets down to that nitty-gritty of, 
okay, in this decision, if you've got a key third down four-minute offense in the Oklahoma game, how does Tom Herman go about navigating that situation without, as you said, Rod, emasculating your offensive coordinator and putting him in a position where maybe he feels like, well, why'd you hire me in the first place? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, because you got to figure out, because Mac Browns, we're talking about Mac. You know, I think Mac had a lot of where he exerted his power was through personnel. Mac's like, I want this guy on the field. Get it done. Mm-hmm. Like, that was that simple. This guy's playing. Deal with it. I Chris Sims is going to start. I got you the star. Deal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. That's what Mac was like. Mac was like, nope, that guy sees the field. That guy plays. He would do that on offense and defense. I, I think I truly believe that. That he was like, nope, this guy plays. Mm-hmm. This guy does it. Let's go. We told him he, he's coming. I think that's what, yeah, I think that's what Mac was like, nope, I got that five star. He plays. This guy plays. This guy plays. And then, and then I think Greg Davis was just brilliant at being, okay. MacGyver. Right, this guy plays. This guy plays. Yeah. Um, for Tom Herman, you know, how much say is he going to have in personnel? Yeah, right. Are we going to see Jake Smith out there with Jordan Whittington, 21 personnel? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. is, does he have that? Is he going to have that kind of say? Or is Yersich going to take over creatively and go, no, 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 I got my own personnel packages. I'm going to do this. I'm going to use these two guys on the field at the same time. You know, I, I don't, I have, to have no idea how much. Tom Herman wants to be involved. It's his baby. Don't forget that. Yeah, right. and that's so the big that, part that's of the it. Thing. It's, it's, it's his baby. This pro spread offense is still his. So that's why he didn't go get a Graham Harrell and let somebody bring in their own offense. Because I think that would have been a problem for Tom Herman. I think when he evaluated this thing, had the man in the mirror moment, he, he said to himself, I'm not ready to give up my offense. I'm not ready to give up on my offense and let somebody come in and basically have to teach me their mm-hmm. offense. Yeah. I still want to be the guy that came up with this offense. It's still offense theory originally that I was, you know, uh, compiling all throughout these years. And I want you. I want to be able to teach it to you. Now that could just be pride. Could just be that he has great vision about what will work to bring Texas back to championship contention. We don't know at this point. Right. But my point is, there's a lot of different elements to what you're talking about. I mean, like I said, it could be personnel. Could be, you know, he, he likes 11 personnel. We know that by Tom Herman. Yeah. How much 11 personnel are we going to see? You How know much I mean? other does he know? All that, but the, so all that kind of stuff, man, I, right now, that, that is a multi-layered, multi-faceted question. And it is fascinating because now they got only a limited time uh-huh. to build that camaraderie and to develop that mutual yeah. respect and, and establish those rules of communication and all that kind of, and, and, and disagreement. Yeah. When and they do disagree, I this, disagree. This type <laughs> of conversation just reminds me of like a thing that I endured in the beginning of radio and you see it across radio shows constantly, but where somebody is a producer, sort of like the offensive coordinator, great point. is in charge of everything, but then has to go host. Like I remember I went to the beach with Ken Milam, but then like basically I was back there hosting, but then I was just talking to the producer constantly and telling them what to play or do this and was producing. <laughs> producing. Yeah, I wasn't doing my job <laughs> yeah, being yeah, the host. Yeah. I was the producer. Yeah. But and it's and if you've been always an offensive coordinator and you're used to this, but then now it's a different job and then you're afraid that what you had been your science or what you were good at maybe may be deteriorated exactly. now. And then what am I if I don't even know my job as a head coach and then I don't even think the offense is working as well as it should. I want to take control and that's what we saw last year when Herman taking it back. But it's that same idea that you are actually go up to a different job, quite related, can also morph into that. But if you're his uh, expertise or one niche of one side of the ball, and that's all you had ever known before, that very first job, it's a lot of difference, totally a lot of change. Yeah. I think if you're a Texas fan, the hope should be similar to, like, let's say you're going to get your car maintenance. Rod mm-hmm. Uden, the, that unnamed afternoon show, which, by the way, <laughs> you guys on Horn listeners, that unnamed afternoon show with Rod, 
Brad Kellner and Kevin Dunn. It's great radio. Three and I like Thanks, that. brother. That's a, the yeah. name now? Thanks, brother. Well, I don't, I don't know. Y'all should I don't keep it. I heard it, but, and I was like, yeah. that's a good name. We keep thought it about that, that being a name, and then we was like, ah, I don't know if this market's ready for something like that. This is the, <laughs> one of the few markets that may be. But you guys did a remote from Reliable Automotive. Which, oh, yeah. Full disclosure, that Kyle location, that's where I go get my old Oh, changes. nice. Yeah. yeah. It's right well, down there in my neck of the woods. But this is like you go... You know, you got to get car maintenance, right? They're like, ah, it's going to be a couple hours wait. Won't you just let us work on this? And, you know, we got a courtesy vehicle. Take your order you want to go. I think Tom Herman right now is in the courtesy vehicle. I think he <laughs> has left his car with Mike Yersich <laughs> to say, hey, let me let me, let me me get in the lab. Let me work with this. Go do something else. And I think, Rod, your, your like hope that. as a Texas fan should be that Tom Herman, something else, is special teams. And, yes, he does want to have special teams yeah. where he delegates. And you've hired enough coaches. Stan Drayton's been a special teams coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a special teams background. Coleman Hustler, special teams background. Andre Coleman, special teams background. Jay Bolware, obviously, special teams background. Yeah. But Tom Herman, that was his first job when he was at Sam mm-hmm. Houston State, was as a special teams coordinator. And I asked him the question at the press conference. He's got so many guys on the staff. How important was that to find guys? And yeah. he said, if you look at all the metrics, which you can, he's not lying. You look, Texas was right around in the 50s in special teams. Middle of the road. And he said that's not good enough. They should, with the talent they've got, they should be a top ten, top twenty type program year in and year out. I agree. In special that. teams. So I think if you're a Texas fan, the hope is for now, for the time being, Tom Herman lets Mike Yersich work on the car, work on the offense. I, I trust you. Mm-hmm. you know, I'm paying you that we're paying you that much money. Go, you go do it. I'll go over here and see if I can make special teams as good as I can make it and devote time over there. So. And this program, Rod, there's too much talented depth at certain positions for you to not be better in the kicking game. I agree. You just got raw athletes out there. Your coverage units and your return units should be top two, top three in the conference without question. Mm -hmm. No doubt. And they were not that last year. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm not saying that doesn't take a lot of coaching, but a lot of that is, you know, you just need the the best athletes on the field at on kickoff and on punt coverage. That's more bust rate. Like. Yeah, exactly. And even your dynamic athletes who are your returners, you know, Texas should be able to always have a great output on special teams. Yep. And that was the case for Mac. I mean, that was one thing. I was like, mm-hmm. back to Mac. Dude, he was really involved in special teams. Yep. I ain't never seen him draw anything up, but Mac would get out there and go look at the gunners and the guys holding up the gunners, and he'd be out there trying to motivate. And he added periods to the special teams after we had three punts blocked by North Carolina State. So, yeah, out, getting back to Mac, it's one of the things he focused on when he had less to worry about with the offense when Greg Davis had it handled. Yeah. So I think he just lets Mike Yerses go to work and says, you know what, let me, let me, this, let me take over this third phase. And Jay Bowler is going to be the special teams coordinator. He is the special teams coordinator yeah. in terms of title. But that's an area. If, if if Tom Herman has that trust to delegate to Mike Yersich and Chris Ash, then he can focus on that third game and and yeah. make it something that even if it's not winning you games, Rod, at least make that a phase where it's not losing you games. Yeah. No, I think he's got to give it up to Yersich. I remember, uh, man, I forget his name right now, the offensive coordinator for Clemson when Clemson had their overhaul uh, and that third year for Dabo Sweeney. Not after and, Chad Morris? Uh, no, it who was he, like – he fired? Yeah. Billy Napier. Billy Napier, yes, thank you. And he admitted later, he's like, I was too, I was too hands-on. I was too involved because he was saying I was coming from my offensive background and I was way too involved. He said, and I, I'd hired a good coach and I should have let him do his job. He admitted that later on. And I think for Tom Herman right now, you should have you, – you don't want that regret that you were too hands-on. You had your chance. <laughs> yeah. You had your chance. Like last year, you took over the offense, and it tailspin. Like it spiraled out of control 
to the point where Sam Ellinger became just a jag. Oh, you know what I mean? Like Sam Ellinger, Sam Ellinger. Like you, you put a ceiling on him. That's how bad it got. So just give it up to Mike Yersich, man. Don't get involved. You hi- trust in your process that you hired the right guy. You did your due diligence. If you did, if you did what you were supposed to do, and right. you and you went through every good candidate and looked at the compatibility and looked within yourself and what your faults were and hired somebody whose strengths were your weaknesses and you did the hard work. You should not have to. You should not have to be too hands on with your search. But if you didn't, if you didn't do due diligence, you were lazy in that process. Then you may have to, and that's going to be, I think, the test. If you're insecure about that hire because you may not have done the research and you may not have dug as deep as you should have, then you're going to be too hands on. If not, and you trust them, you're like, no, no, I did the right thing. I, I, I picked the right woman. I don't need to worry about my woman cheating on me. I picked yeah. the right woman. I did. I did. The, I did the due diligence. <laughs> I, 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 when I can marry her now and be like, no, no, I picked the right one. She's the right one. She ain't gonna be skanky. She's, the, she's the right one. If you did it right. He shouldn't have to regret that decision. And we'll see. Even if, even if they struggle early, even if they struggle a little bit early, it doesn't look the way it's supposed to look. If you have the faith that you went about the process the right way, then it shouldn't be an issue. And, yeah. and to, to piggyback on your point just now, and I think this will hopefully make me, the point I was making earlier will kind of bring it more into focus if I didn't do a good job of it. The other thing I think you're hoping for if you're a Texas fan, again, I do think Tom Herman is going to devote more time to special teams to make that an asset for this team. Great idea. But – Something you just said, Rod, that just kind of clicked for me. If you're a Texas fan, I think you're hoping that Tom Herman in that man in the mirror moment realized being hands-on just didn't work. Obviously. I need to hire somebody that I trust, Mm -hmm. that I can have make those decisions week in and week out. And and I I think he did have to be sold on the Graham Harrell thing. But I I do think had Graham Harrell not been – and so, wishy-washy is a tough yeah, term to put on yeah. it. I think if Graham Harrell, if the first Playing phone hardball, call. I don't know what it was. If yeah, Graham, if Graham Harrell, good work, if Graham Harrell had just been from the jump, hell yeah, I'll go down to Austin, let's do this thing. I think Tom Herman would have bought into the air raid. I, I believe that, too. I'm with you. That's a good point. As Matt mentioned, he was noncommittal, so you had to go have a contingency plan. Yeah. You couldn't depend on, you could put all your eggs in that barrel. That, in, in, barrel or basket? basket? All the eggs in that basket. All, all the eggs in that works. barrel. Fish go in the barrel. Fish go in the barrel. Which cliche. What's one of those deals that, like, I, I think he looked at the Graham Herald and said, okay, I'm willing to do this if, but he's got to be excited about it. If not, yeah, I can go this other way and still hire a damn good offensive coordinator. That's a good point. Yeah, and I will say this, and I brought this up yesterday on the show. Don't forget, uh, Daner Hogerson goes to Oklahoma State with Gundy in 2010. After that, it was Todd Munkin. Those are the two years where Gundy forever fell in love with the air raid. And ever since then, even with Gundy's really balanced spread, he has implemented a lot of air raid-ish concepts. Yeah. So he has an air raid-ish offense and has ever since then. So when Yersich was there, I bet there's a little air raid-ish you know what I mean, in Yursage, in his mm-hmm. interpretation. And I hope they bring that out because I'm with you. I wanted to see Sam in the air raid. I really did. I think he's a spread baby. I think he would have been phenomenal in the air raid. It's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds because I think when you look at Mike Yursage's track record at Oklahoma State, Rod, I think when you look at those three things that he said are the foundation of his offense, players, formations, and plays, mm-hmm. you look at Oklahoma State every year he was there, it was a little bit different every yeah. year. They weren't really the same offense yep. from one year to the next. Totally agree. Like, go back to his first year in 13. They had a two-quarterback system. Mm-hmm. Clint, Clint Shelf was their every-down quarterback, but J.W. Walsh yeah. was like their run mm-hmm. game guy. I remember that. I remember that, yeah. 
You know, and then they had that 14 was just such a weird year because Walsh got hurt early in the year. and Yeah, that's what did. everybody thought they was going to be good in 14, right, because Walsh was going to be the guy. Because they had Tyreek Hill that Yeah, year. that's right. Mm-hmm. And they had Walsh got hurt early in the year, and then they tried Dax Garman. And the, the key thing for them was they I got to a season where, like, Dax. you know what, if we're going to make a <laughs> – Not that Dax. I think, I think uh, Mike Gundy finally realized late in the year, you know what, if we're going to make a bowl game, sorry, but we got to pull the red shirt off Mason Rudolph. And just let this thing run. And that was the beginning of a, a run for him. Yeah. Now, and he found the right quarterback. And I like your sister. He likes quarterbacks. He's a quarterback collector. But then go back to their <laughs> offense in 18, his last year there. Like we talked about that. Their game plan for that Texas game was brilliant. Uh, with where, Corndog? Where they got Corndog Cornelius Man. involved in the run game. That was brilliant. Remember, it was. They were using Chuba Hubbard right as a fullback. They had the two back sets. And they were using two tailbacks back there with Texas. Yeah. And it was it was brilliant. That's, and, that, and I agree. That we could see them use that like same philosophy with a Keontae Ingram or a Rojo or a Bijan Robinson mm-hmm. and a Jordan Whittington in the backfield. Oh, it gets me excited. The more about out of the box and more things like that, that that the defense just sees, even if, say, the play doesn't work, but it's just the mental consumption that can be taken at all. And then over time, the amount of film that goes out there totally can actually be a strength. Yep. That's great video for. Oh, Mike Yersis to show the running backs because he can be like, look, Chuba Hubbard led the nation in rush yards. If he can be a damn fullback, any of y'all can be a lead hey, blocker. Hey, Ricky Williams was game. a damn fullback, all right? Yeah, for <laughs> a whole freshman <laughs> year, basically. There you <laughs> go. He ran for 990. was a 1,000-yard fullback. Any of y'all can be a lead blocker. That, you know what? That's a great story. If you're, yeah, and tell that story and the Ricky story. Be like, any of y'all opposed to being, uh, you know, a fullback or being a blocker because you think it is uh, not glorious enough for you. Ricky freaking Williams, all right? I love to block. Love to be a fullback. All right. We'll continue this conversation next week. We'll we'll continue the conversation about the offense. We'll get into defense and Maybe we'll talk about win totals next week. There's a story that popped up we don't have time to get into today. I heard you talk we'll... about that on Light the Tower. Yeah. It was good. It's good stuff. I actually enjoy Light the Tower, man. You guys, are, you and Craig are doing a great job. I appreciate that, Rod. You, I know he's not there very often, so it's hard work. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> but it's good. No, so well. <laughs> All right, Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast for matt for rod for everybody at the austin radio network and the horn 1049 1019 am 1260 streaming on the horn app and at hornfm.com where you can catch myself and craig way from 10 to 12 every weekday on light the tower and rod b every weekday from three to seven on that unnamed afternoon show <laughs>
<laughs> Thanks to Matt, you can get our archives and our classic interviews on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. And you can get every episode of Longhorn Blitz by subscribing to Horns 24-7 Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Anywhere you get your podcast, you get us, State of Recruiting, and the flagship. Just search Horns 24-7 Podcasts and click that subscribe button. For the Horn family, for the 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.